You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. This morning, at your tables, we have a little icebreaker just to get over this awkwardness of of talking to, to strangers or to just at all to people. And so, I want you to be sure, if you haven't put your name tag on, put your name tag on, share your name. And then usually you got some weird icebreaker question like, if you were a bird, how high would you fly? Or, you know, something like that. So our weird question is, I believe we have it up on the screen, and we're going to take 90 seconds for this question to go around. I think we have it. There we go. Uh, share them the following. If you were, had an unlimited supply of one of these things the rest of your life, which would you choose? Sushi or scotch tape? All right? So share your name and share which you'd choose, sushi or scotch tape, and why. All right, I got caught up in this great sushi scotch-shaped debate, so I I was a little late. At our table, they were saying that we had two people in the food industry, and they're like, we would not do sushi. I've heard too many bad things, and so that's a good point, right? Uh, But we wondered, like, if you were in the scotch tape industry, if you'd be like, I know the sticky stuff they put on there. I would not want anything to do with that, so. Um, All right, so this morning, if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and open it to Mark chapter 2. Uh, We're going to look at a story, a story maybe you're familiar with. We'll have it up on the screens as well. A story uh, of a story really of a small group, of a small group caring for each other. And so this this story is also found in the book of Luke, but we're going to jump into the story found in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to just go ahead and read the whole thing in one piece right now, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is a neat story, one that maybe you're familiar with. Jesus comes back, back home, kind of home base for his ministry was Capernaum. And, and he's here in the home, many believe, in the home of Peter Simon. And so he's teaching this home, and the crowds have gathered. And at this point, crowds are already packed in, and, and they're wanting to hear his words, but they're also heard about the healings. And so they've come hoping to see an amazing miracle, hoping to be the ones to witness something great. Maybe some of them are even coming because they have their own problems, their own illnesses, their own bum legs and bum shoulders that they need healing. And so they're coming to him hoping that he would heal them. It's kind of the same place that this paralyzed man was. And we hear this story and we think of a paralyzed man and how bad that would be. But, but the reality is in this time, this paralyzed man is pretty blessed because he has a group of friends. In this time, any handicapped person, any disabled person, uh, whether it be physically or mentally, would just put aside... They had colonies where the lepers would go, and they had uh, the crippled people would be just sent to be as beggars on the side of the street. People wouldn't engage with them. They wouldn't talk to them. They would treat them basically like a dog. And so the fact that he has four people that care about him is huge. And we don't know anything about these friends. It just says four, four friends. Maybe they were family members. Maybe they were lifelong friends. That Maybe this man had a horrible accident and, and became paralyzed. And these were guys that he used to work with, guys that he engaged with, guys that he would go fishing with. Maybe they're still friends. Or, or maybe this man's been like this his whole life. And he's just incredibly blessed to have four guys that care about him. But as we get into this, we see like this is essentially... A small group. When we talk about small groups, when we talk about community, uh, something that we really believe here at Discovery is the idea of small groups, of, of small group ministry. That is great to be here on a Sunday morning and, and to worship and, and to study God's word, but the relationship, the life change really happens in those small groups. Or it's the one on Sunday morning that meets during second hour or the ones that meet throughout homes and the church throughout the week. It's those groups that we can get engaged with, those groups that we can build friendships and get to know one another, the groups that would be with a bunch of guys that would care, carry you when you're paralyzed. And so we get into this, and we look at these guys, and, and just kind of in awe of this friendship. Like I said, it's not something that would have been normal at this time, but they're willing to do anything for their friend, even go to creative, creative extents. And so right now, we're going to talk at our tables a little bit about this friendship, about what you see here, and kind of dive into this. And so we have a question for you. This time, we're going to have four minutes up on the, on the center screen, a countdown, and just be able to share. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. I think this one even has two questions. If you spend the whole time on the first question, that's all right. All right? The point is just to be able to engage and talk with one another. So we're looking at friendships here. So a couple of questions for you. 
What do we learn about the friends from this story? Or what do we learn about friendship from the friends of this story? And who in your life would carry your mat to bring you to Jesus? Is there someone in your life that would do that for you? All right, go ahead and talk amongst yourselves for the next four minutes.
All right. So in verse 4, verse 4, we see that the friends are willing to stop at nothing. And, and that's what I shared over here. Like, those are my kind of friends. Like, they're, they're like, hey, a little destruction, it's all right. You know, I like the rebellious streak in them, uh, the creativity. And so they're willing to stop at nothing. And, and in that time, in the Bible times, they would often have, like, if you're trying to picture the story, you're like, how they get on the roof, how they dig a hole, uh, th- they would often have a staircase, like a stone staircase on the side, on the outside of the house to where you could get up on the roof. And so the roof was where they'd often dry their clothes, where even oftentimes they would have pens for animals where they would stay and, and the animals would eat and so forth. And so they go up on the side of this house and, and they're carrying this man. And I just love this picture because, like, you can see them coming down the street and each one has a corner of the mat and they're like, hey, if we just get him to Jesus, there's going to be no problem. He'll get fixed. And then they see the house. There's just this crowd, thick, and there's no way to get in. And they're trying to figure it out, and, and each of them is trying to look a different way. And the paralyzed man, I almost just picture him being like, forget it, guys. Thanks anyways. And they're like, no, we got this. We got your back. And so they go, and they see the staircase, and they're like, let's go up there. And they get up on the, stair, uh, up on the roof, and the roofs back then were just made of, like, thatch and mud. And so they begin to dig at the, at the mud. And, and in Luke, it says that they removed tiles, and a lot of the ceilings back then, it was either just mud and thatch and straw. And sometimes it would be those things, but then also some tiles that would separate the dirt from the rest of the house. And so they get, dig back the dirt, and they dig back the straw, and they create a hole big enough to, to be able to place them, and then they get the tiles and they pry those up and at this point you can picture Jesus inside the house and all the people inside and they see the they hear this rustling above and maybe some dust is falling and then the first tile is removed and the sunlight just beams through and so you can just see imagine this dark home and the sunlight has now come through and you see these four guys leaning over and they're like all right there's Jesus and then you're like what's going on and then they drop their friend and and maybe it was a nice gentle drop. I like to imagine they just like tilt the mat and ving. And they're like, Jesus is going to heal him at the bottom. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, extra damage, it's okay. Jesus got it. And so they just drop him through. And then they're all four guys. I can just picture like they're staring down. They're like, waiting. what's Jesus going to do? What's Jesus going to do? And, and I love this image of this small group. Is that they're here for their friend. And they're excited to see what God's going to do in their friend's life. Because they've been walking with him. Because they've been living this life together. And so they're, I'm sure, just as excited to see their friend healed as their friend is. Because they've been doing this life together and they have this relationship. And so it's a beautiful scene. And so you get to, get to this part in chapter 2, verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. The faith of their friends, the faith of the paralyzed man has led to the forgiveness of his sins. We can't get someone else to become a Christian. We can't win them over to heaven just by what we can do, but we can set an example. We can lead them to Christ. These four guys, they brought him to Jesus. They, they couldn't heal him themselves, but they were willing to do everything it took to get him an opportunity to be healed. And so it's something to think about is, as we walk through this path, as, as parents, what are we willing to do to bring our kids to Christ? As singles, what are we willing to do as we influence our friends and our coworkers to bring them to Christ? As we go through this life, as we are part, hopefully, of a small group, what are we willing to do to help each other to come closer to Jesus Christ? And so their faith, 
Their faith is a huge component that heals the man. I hope that's the, the, the foundation, the building rock of the small groups here at Discovery, is this faith, is this desire to draw closer to Jesus. The small groups, everyone that I've heard from, every, every group of leaders, I know many of the leaders, and, and they're a lot of fun people. And so I know that these groups are fun. These groups are full of laughter. Um, some of them love board games. Some of them love to eat. Um, there's a good time had, but I also know they're all godly people. And it's an opportunity to grow in our faith and grow in Jesus Christ. And so they come and they bring healing to this man. And at this point, the teachers of the law are critical. There's been rumors about Jesus and and it's gotten back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the, the hub of where all the faith is. And so they have this, these rumors, and so they start to talk, and they send a group of teachers of the law to, to find out what's going on with this Jesus guy. And so they come, and they say that it's blasphemy. They see him, and what? You can't say you forgive sins. And they were right. To say your sins are forgiven was blasphemous because only God could forgive sins. And so he's claiming to be God. And for any other person, that would be blasphemous. But for Jesus, it's not. This is the one man that could say this. This is the one man that was God. And so they begin to, to question him, and, and Jesus hears these whispers and these rumors. And imagine if you're in this house. Imagine you're at a little table in this little house and with your little table group, and you've been sitting and you've been watching and hearing Jesus' teaching, and you saw the light come through and the man get brought down, and you hear Jesus respond to the rumors, and he says, Which is easier? To say this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. And so at this point, the whispers begin. The teachers of the law turn to each other and say, I don't know know what's the answer. Which one is easier? Everyone in the room is whispering outside the rows of people that are listening in, turn to each other. And you, at your little table, inside the home, turn to each other and answer this question that Jesus proposed. So we're going to take a few minutes right now to answer this question as if you were there. There's really not a right or wrong answer, because I've worked through this on both sides. So talk at your table. Which is easier? The question Jesus asked, which is easier, to heal the man or to tell him he's forgiven? And why do you answer the way you do? Let's talk at our tables.
All right. Uh, so verse 10, verse 10, Jesus hears the, the rumbling. And, and maybe you guys have talked in your conversations. I heard uh, some people say that it was easier to tell him to, that he's forgiven because there's no real proof. That'd be easy. Uh, I heard some people say it's easier to heal because uh, who can forgive sins? Only God alone. So, and so there's this rumbling and, and nobody quite knows. And Jesus says in verse 10, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. The Talmud uh, uh, says, it's an ancient Jewish teachings uh, that, the, that the rabbis would teach. It says, no man gets up from his sickbed until all his sins are forgiven. That there is this belief that maybe he was sick because of his sins. And so Jesus initially said, your sins are forgiven, and so there's no proof, like, anyone can say that, right? We don't know if he's really forgiven. So Jesus says, to prove that I have that authority, take your legs that have no longer worked and get up. Take your arms that have been not able to move and grab your mat. Take your soul and go back home because it's now clean and let everybody know. It's a beautiful illustration that Jesus was able to say, yeah, he's healed. But this healing is to prove to you of something greater. His sins are forgiven. I love that, that he's done that for each one of us. That, that our sins are forgiven. Every week we have communion here at Discovery. And, and if you're one of the communion servers, if you want to go grab the communion trays, we have communion because uh, we believe very much it's a good to, be, to remember that our sins are forgiven. And that happened on the cross. That when Jesus died in our place as a sacrifice for our sins, and when he rose again and conquered death, when he conquered Satan, when he conquered our sins, we were washed clean. And so every week we partake in communion. Next week we begin the book of Acts here on Sunday mornings, and I'm super excited because this is a chance to see what the early church did, what the early believers did, to, to see how we can be like them, to see how we can be like what God planned for the church to be, what God planned for followers to be like. And one of the things that they did, we see in the second chapter of Acts, is they met and they broke bread. They had the Lord's Supper. And so this is why we do it every week, is to have the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to transition into a time of communion, and as we come out of this time of small groups here, on Sunday morning, maybe it was awkward, maybe it was good. I want to encourage you. There's a paper in front of you. I'd love for you to fill that out. There's maybe one per person or, or one per family union if you want. But to fill it out a little bit, and, and if you're interested in small groups, we'd love to reach out to you and tell you about them. We have eight, eight or nine different small groups that meet throughout the city, uh, and so there's great opportunities that if you don't like one, it's all right. Just be like, hey, something came up, and then you can go try out the other ones, right? And you can try out all eight of them, and no one will know, but we'll just assume, oh, she's at another one, and, and maybe you just gave up. But give it up, give a chance for four weeks. This is our, our request. Is give small groups a chance for four weeks to give a chance to get in this, to get a taste of small groups, get a taste of having someone carry your mat. Because each one of us at a time are going to need other people to carry us, and each one of us at a time are going to need to be the one carrying the mat. Maybe you don't need to be carried, but maybe God needs you to carry somebody else. And as we see this story and we see this friendship and we see this small group, let it be an inspiration for us on how to live. 
and how to fulfill this desire God has for us to be in community. And so if you'll fill that out and mark if you're already part of one, or maybe you're part of one at your work, and, and we're not asking you to just be in discoveries. God's kingdom is way bigger than Discovery Church. And so if you're already in a small group, awesome. Mark that and so we know we can just be praying for you and your group. But if you're not in anything, let us get you plugged in. If you'll go ahead and pray with me as we pray for communion. Lord.